are you looking for pleasure coaching or sex education on your own private time? If so, visit beducated.com. You can get 40% off by using the URL code in the bottom of the notes of this episode on the app where you listen. Or you can click on the banner, the beducated.com banner on theytalksex.com. Right now, there's a special feature on vulva education, and that includes squirting and female orgasm and all kinds of other fun things like kink and anal. And I'm so glad that this is a resource because goodness knows, I wish I had time to take all of you as my own personal clients. Otherwise, go to beducated.com and you can have classes in the privacy of your own home anytime you'd like from notable sex educators around the world. There's videos and practice sheets, and don't worry, nobody can see you. It's all entirely personal and pre-recorded. So have fun. Let me know how you like it. Beducated.com. Welcome back to They Talk Sex Podcast. I'm your host, Elle Stanger. This is the sexology and therapy episode. Our guest is known as the Sex Pot Therapist on Instagram. Her name is Danielle Simpson Baker, and we're going to learn a little bit about Danielle and the work that she does and talk about a handful of topics. Uh, I am your host, Elle Stanger. You can find me at Elle Stanger on Twitter or lstanger.com. And you can look for me on Instagram, the sometimes deactivated, sometimes reinstated <laughs> account uh, <laughs> at L underscore Stanger or at Stripper Writer. And then, of course, there's memes and stuff about this podcast at They Talk Sex Podcast. So hello, Danielle. Hi, Elle. How you doing? So good. My body hurts, but my brain is happy and willing. What about you? <laughs> Honestly, a little bit of the same. Like, I'm sore for reasons I still don't know, but I'm here. We're good. So, <laughs> we're good. Let's yeah. do this. Yeah, exactly. my body hurts from just like stripper stuff. Um, yeah. Yeah. I had a real quick, I had a, I don't even want to call him a client because he didn't give me that much money, but um, <laughs> I talked with a man who uh, he tipped my stage a few bucks and he's like, oh, I'm a massage therapist. And he starts telling me everything that's wrong with my body, but he was actually right. <laughs> <laughs> he's like you've been wearing closed-toed shoes for too long and you've torn this muscle on your left arm and you grind your teeth in your sleep which that one I don't know about Jeez. but I'm a dentist I know and I'm just like oh is there anything I can do for you he's like no I'm like, okay. <laughs> like, <laughs> thank you for right the then. free assessment yeah yeah very thorough but okay why not <laughs> yeah uh so you also you have a lot of studies and different topics that you teach on I do. Yeah. yeah, you wear a lot of hats. <laughs> and we'll talk about that, too. I wonder if that's challenging sometimes to, to juggle so much or oh, not. Yeah. yeah. Yes. So you you teach on marriage and family therapy, mm -hmm. cannabis and pleasure, mm -hmm. and you are sex work supportive. I am. Yep. Yeah. Anything else okay. I forgot? Um, I think that's the gist of it, honestly. And I feel like a lot of the stuff I talk about, I find a way to fit it under like any of those topics. So yeah, it's usually like sex and relationships, cannabis and how that relates to sex, um, sex work, 
resources, just support, et cetera. So yeah, mm-hmm. basically that. Yeah, I was thrilled when I found your account. Uh, I feel oh. like over a year ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I'm like, thank wow. This, yeah, oh yeah, thank you. I'm like, this is good content. We just need. There's so much content online, but I just mm-hmm. feel like yours is cohesive, despite being kind of broad. I so, appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. So, what does your daily life look like related to your work? So my daily life, um, yeah, like you said, I wear kind of a lot of hats. I do have like a a quote unquote nine to five. Well, really my shift starts at 11 and goes till eight, but it's, you know, Monday through Friday, like therapy job. And then I have a part-time job as just like primarily as a sex therapist. Um, Then I have just like meetings for things here and there. Like I'm still working toward my license as a therapist. Mm -hmm. So I have weekly supervision for that. Um, I'm still taking classes to finish up my certificate in sex therapy and education. Um, so I still have some classes for that here and there. And I'm, I'm taking classes with the Institute for Sexuality, Education and Enlightenment. I actually took a class from you. It was a recorded class. Um, oh. I don't know if I ever told Yeah, <laughs> I don't know if I ever told you that. But yeah, um, it was after I had been following you. And I think you. it was after you had been following me as well. But yeah, I saw your name come up like in the you know, the schedule of classes. And I was like, oh my goodness, amazing. So yeah, yeah, still taking classes with them. That's awesome. Okay, that's good to hear it. I think we have a little, um, one of our sponsors, actually, one of our ads is for IC. Um, Ah, That's amazing. Yeah, oh, that's great. And I think the one you took is the only one I've offered for them, which was the impacts of horror phobia and sex Mm -hmm. negativity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep. right. exactly. And you know, it's even funnier. So next week, I'm giving a presentation of my own on like kind of a similar topic, but mm-hmm. just about like how sex workers face all the stigma and violence in our society and how that all contributes to like barriers to mental health care for sex workers and how like we as mental health care professionals can remove those barriers. So oh, that makes I like me to so think happy. I'm so excited. Um, but yeah, I like to think that, you know, my work with IC and just like my personal experience with sex work itself has really led me to that presentation. I'm very excited about it. Oh, that's great. And while we're on that mm-hmm. topic, when I first started going through that program, uh, mm-hmm. Institute for Sexuality, I I was like kind of nervous to out myself because mm-hmm. there weren't there weren't I was told by Dr. Roz at the time that she's she said she's she was sure that they had former and maybe current erotic laborers. I think is how she referred to me um, uh. in the program or go through the program. But she said she didn't know of any out ones. Mm-hmm. And so I was kind of worried if you know how the other people, educators or therapists in the classes were going to treat me. Um, right. Right. Or if you know, if ASECT was going to certify me because of my current adult erotic labor, uh, Mm -hmm. legal or illegal. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. So I feel like we're breaking down barriers together. Oh, so glad to have you. Definitely. And you know what, to that point, I would say, so let me ask you, how long ago was it that you were taking classes with them? Um, I started in, I believe it was early 2017, February, 2017. Okay. So you know what? I'll say I think that has definitely started to change since then. So I started with them in 2020 and I kind of outed myself like pretty early as a sex worker. I was like, look, I can't, I'm not going to be towing this line the whole time, especially like I talk about it on my Instagram page. Like I'm not going to be like 
doing the double life thing. So I was pretty open about it and I feel like it was well received and I'm not the only one in my class that was, you know, open about their experiences with it as well. So I think that's yes. definitely changing. Hell yeah. So mm-hmm. that's great to hear. And mm-hmm. I love when we can start episodes out with all this positive news right. information. <laughs> that's great. Right. Um, so while we're talking about the good stuff, uh, what kind of opposition to your work, if any, do you encounter? Honestly, it's mostly just like trolls on social media, if anything. Um, I feel like I've gotten pretty lucky, though, with kind of creating a space where I'm just very open and positive about the things I talk about. And I do try to bring both sides to a lot of things I talk about. So maybe like things to be careful for, but also talking about the positives of like sexuality, cannabis, um, sex work itself. But I do feel like I've gotten lucky with creating a space where it's mostly people who want to consume this information and people who are looking for a positive space to talk about these situations as well. So mm-hmm. either I'm just not seeing a lot of the negativity or gen- genuinely is just not really there, which mm-hmm. is, is great. So yeah, I think I've gotten lucky with having people gravitate toward my page that like just want that information, who are willing to share the information, aren't there to be negative. Mm-hmm. So I've gotten pretty lucky with that. Not that much opposition to be completely honest. Oh, or good. that I've seen. Yeah. Yeah. Good. So far, so good. Yeah. Uh, can I ask what kind of sex work you've done? Yeah. So I've done full service. I've done. Yes. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yes. I know. Right. Yeah. I know. I know. Um, I've done like cam work. I do only fans now. Honestly, after Foster Sesta went through, like, obviously woke up and like was not able to like post anything (laughs) so Mm -hmm. I kind of had to fall back from that pretty quickly so now as far as the full service is definitely not like much (laughs) anymore it's Mm -hmm. mostly virtual spaces that I work in now but yeah I started doing sex work in like 2016 and had a decent two years until Fossa Sesta went through and then Mm. then it just changed Mm. So everybody who's listening, if you are a longtime listener of the show, then you already know what FOSTA SESTA is. And if you're a newer listener, welcome. And then also (laughs) uh, look up uh, hashtag repeal FOSTA SESTA or type into a web search. Why is FOSTA SESTA bad? Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I'll put in the episode notes. And then right now, um, as we record this, there is a effort to study the impacts of these Uh bad pieces of legislation yeah uh what Uh is it called the safe sex work study act to be completely honest i'm not totally sure off the top of my head but i did hear that that was making the rounds yeah Um, so that's a proposed bill yeah um beautiful yeah elizabeth warren and representative ro Khanna. he's out of california uh where is warren out of is she massachusetts I want to say yes, but don't quote me. Yeah, we're not experts on everything. It's okay. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's impossible to know everything all the time. Uh, exactly. But they did, they did, yeah, propose a bill, uh, I believe is uh, sponsored or supported by a couple other legislators um, to study the impacts of FOSTA and SESTA by mm-hmm. the National Institute for Health or NIH. So, and if the impacts were studied formally, folks would see overwhelmingly that they were bad. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, we really hope that goes through. I was going to say, I will say it low-key feels a little bit like backtracking because it's not like people didn't say that this wasn't going to do what they wanted it to do. But at the same time, I'm glad for the win. I'm glad that they're like actually trying to do their own research and realize that this is not 
the move they wanted it to be passing foster mm-hmm. system. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. So yeah, it turns out quite often when there's these big broad efforts that claim they will mm-hmm. fight exploitation or prevent sex trafficking, it actually is just mass censorship and exactly. anti sex work. Exactly. Yeah. It's the Comstock laws all over again. Yep. 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 So okay, so you're in Florida, correct? Yes. yes I okay, am. we'll talk about that uh, a little bit further down. Um especially as it relates to full service, because I say yeah. all the time, I'm in, I'm in Oregon and mm-hmm. the police claim they don't arrest sex work providers. They mm-hmm. do interrupt and cite them. Uh, they claim in Oregon that they only arrest clients, but Florida is a whole deeper level of criminalization and stigma. Yeah. 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 It's yeah. very like classically stigmatized here. Right. Okay. Yeah. So we will talk more about that in the later part of the show, but I wanted to ask in general, how do you believe that being a black woman relates to your work, any of your work? So I will say one of the biggest things I noticed when I first started getting into this work, that there were not very many like ther- sex therapists who looked like me. So I thought that was kind of, I mean, it was interesting on the one hand, because I'm like, okay, well, there's not very many people I can ask about how to navigate this. But then on the Mm -hmm. other hand, I'm like, okay, well, maybe there's a space for me to kind of be on the forefront of this work, especially being a Black woman. So it's it's kind of interesting. Like, there are good things on both sides of that. Um, I do Mm -hmm. think that being a Black woman, it kind of gives people in my community, you know, like someone that hopefully they can trust with these things, because there is a lot of stigma when it comes to just sexuality in general in the Black community. Um, So I'm hoping that me being like, you know, as out and open as I am about all things sexuality, that hopefully certain stigmas can diminish. Um, Mm. But yeah, I feel like that's really the only thing I can think of. Just trying to be, you know, someone that people who look like me can relate to and feel safe coming to with their sexual issues or just mental health issues in general because I do mm-hmm. get a lot of clients um especially black women especially those around my age or like you know what I always said if I was gonna have a therapist I wanted it to be someone that looks like me or I'm so happy to see someone that looks like me like on the other side of this so mm, yeah oh, that's wonderful yeah. yeah I mean because it's probably like you want someone who has some similar lived mm-hmm. experiences exactly or- social or societal expectations or demands placed on them because then your clients or your friends or folks don't have to explain shit to you you're like you're like I know that microaggression exactly exactly and you know I'm glad that you brought that up because that's something that has come up in my sessions as well like they might just mention one thing and they're like you know yeah I don't have to go into detail like you know what I'm talking about Mm -hmm. and I'm sure that it is pretty powerful to have like have not have that pressure of having to explain every little thing and then go into like the origins of things like racism, microaggressions, all those different things. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. Um, All right. So that relates to uh, this next part. I want to read some uh, feedback. So I asked on Instagram, Mm -hmm. which again, love, hate Instagram because, you know, I'm all about feedback because I don't know what I don't know. Right. I feel like I'm constantly uh, surprised and informed by people totally different from me. Um, So I asked folks, what is something you don't feel comfortable telling your therapist Mm -hmm. yet? Mm -hmm. 
So I'm going to read you react. Okay. All right. All right. Someone says that I have paid for sex worker services. Mm, see, and this is why we're here. That right mm-hmm. there. <laughs> that exactly. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Wow. So in no particular order. Yeah. Someone else says that I'm a sex worker. Mm-hmm. Can you, I mean, yes, we can imagine, but I've never had to do this. Like I, it would be so stressful to hide my sex work from my right. therapist. Cause right. you know, cause then you have to construct a whole different, like, net of realities exactly. and then remember what you're telling them exactly I, and and then in that sense it's like well what is the point of therapy because i can't even be myself here so yeah mm-hmm. Wow. Mm-hmm. someone says my concerns about my kind of extreme kinks mm-hmm. that so they have concerns yeah that comes up a lot not gonna lie oh okay yeah uh someone says the full extent of my substance abuse mm-hmm. yeah that's real Mm-hmm. Oh. Someone else says about my past alcoholism and abuse of prescription drugs, mm-hmm. sober a year and a half now. Mm-hmm. Yay. Mm, wow. Uh, someone else says that I'm making porn as a side gig and I want it to be my main gig. Love that for them, though. <laughs> I hope it goes well. <laughs> yeah, me too. Repeal Foster Sester. Right, yeah. for real. <laughs> More power to you. Yeah. yeah. Um. Someone says, past tense, I had a really hard time discussing my k- kinks and fetishes with my sexual assault therapist. Mm. Oh, that's mm. got to be tough. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. Uh, someone else says that I'm non-binary. Mm-hmm. Someone else says my shift in sexuality and gender expression. That's a big mm-hmm. one. Uh, someone else says... Yeah, I'm trying not to like read too many that are similar, but a lot of these are similar. I think it just goes to show like how like how many things people have in common with the things that they're kind of like iffy about sharing just in general or just like the things that are like so taboo in our society. And it's funny to me, like all of these things, I feel like I have had come up in my sessions, but still that doesn't erase the fact that like these aren't things that people are made to feel comfortable talking about. And you should feel mm-hmm. comfortable talking about these things with the therapist out of anyone. So I, I mean, I hate to hear all of mm-hmm. this, like you know that these that people are afraid to talk about these things with their therapist of all people. But I totally get it, definitely understand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah, because you're probably a way more inclusive and open-minded and level-headed yeah. therapist than yeah. <laughs> That's yeah, why you're probably. on the show. <laughs> I know, right? I know. Yeah, a lot of these are disappointing, but I'm like, okay, these are good for me to hear because oh, I am sure. in my bubble. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Good point with that. Cause I, I think I do kind of get desensitized to like like we talk about sex like pretty much every day. So I forget that a lot of people don't. <laughs> and a lot of people mm-hmm. like would need, you know, a safe space or certain context to talk about these things. So yeah, mm-hmm. good point. Mm. All right, let's see. I want to do, yeah, there's a bunch of these. Um, Someone says, I cry in front of everyone, but I won't let myself cry in front of my therapist. Mm-hmm. This is a man. I Good for him that. on crying yeah, in general. Seriously, seriously. Yeah, yeah. Um, Someone says, okay, so the question again was, what is something you don't feel comfortable telling your therapist yet? Someone says that I role play aspects of my sexual assault with my partner. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I've done that up. too. That's about me too. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, consensual non-consent mm-hmm. or rape role play or so-called coercive play, mm-hmm. but in the container of 
it's consensual and agreed exactly. upon. And there's been a whole conversation before it's even yeah. happening. Yeah. Oof. Someone says, I don't feel comfortable sharing about the fact that I'm smoking weed. I told her once and she was very judgy about it. I wonder if they Oof. live in a state where it's legal or not. Oh, that's a good question. Yeah. Good question. Mm. Um, mm, I have a, that made me think of something, but go ahead and finish. Please. No, please. Yeah. Well, I was just going to say, um, going back to a couple other ones you read too, like not feeling comfortable talking about just like kinks and things. I had a client who disclosed that he did smoke um, cannabis to his therapist. And he also uh, disclosed that he like really liked to look at porn. And when he told me the frequency, I was like, okay, it sounds like you're looking at it like, you know, the quote unquote normal amount. But when he told Mm -hmm. his last therapist about these things, apparently she was like really judgmental, like telling him Mm. there's something wrong with you. Like you Mm. shouldn't, I know. I was like, who gave her a license? And Mm. and it kind of forced him to number one, kind of, you know, keep all these things hidden from other people. But number two, he didn't talk to another therapist for like three or four years. And he just happened to Mm. try again and got connected with me. And like the first session I was like, okay, who told you all these things? Like who told you that there was something wrong with you for all these things? Like they lied to you. And like now he's Mm. doing fine. I mean, to hear him tell it, he's doing a lot better. Um, But yeah, Mm. it's crazy how like one therapist can just ruin a a person's Mm -hmm. perspective of therapy and then just like their perspective of themselves for doing things that, a lot of other people are doing so Mm -hmm. and it is you know it is okay and supported by us if you need to break up with your therapist like exactly (laughs) like I know that getting a new one just like you know sourcing and collaborating into a new relationship is like effort and time and scary and stuff but like don't be afraid to walk away (laughs) yeah your therapist works for you like and if they're not working for you you can fire them seriously Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, let's see. Let's do a couple more of these. Um, do do do. Ooh, yeah. Okay, related. Someone says they don't feel comfortable sharing how sexually active they are. They feel mm-hmm. like they will be judged. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> no. Someone says they don't feel comfortable sharing intrusive thoughts of politically motivated violence because mm. our leaders are killing us and letting us die. Oh wow, that's intense. Yeah. I mean, I also I was told by my therapist that it is normal to fantasize about doing violence when you are extremely frustrated oh, and yeah. feeling oppressed. Hundred percent. And I think right. that's something I'm noticing is getting more traction. It's just like the conversation about yes, challenge the things that you've been through. Yes, challenge your own negative thoughts, but also look at the context of the society that you're forced to like be a part of. Like it, it makes sense that mm-hmm. a lot of people might be a little angry about things, a little more angry about things lately than usual. And hundred percent look at the society that we're in, look at the people that we have in power that we must answer to because we haven't had a revolution yet. Um, but I'm glad that that's mm-hmm. becoming more, of a conversation like yes there are things to work on internally with each person but a lot of the work does take place on a societal level like it i i would Mm -hmm. be surprised to come across a person who was just completely happy with everything going on right now because it's like Mm -hmm. okay well what aren't you looking at you know yeah what what bubble is that where is your exactly (laughs) exactly yeah i want to go there for vacation that sounds nice yeah do they have any open spots (laughs) yeah 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 um okay so just two more someone says 
I don't feel comfortable sharing about a foursome that was much regretted and no one else knows about. Mm -hmm. And then someone else says, I don't feel comfortable sharing about sexual abuse from my mother. (sighs) Well, I hope you get there at some point if you want to. Yeah. So, yeah. So that just shows again, um, why you do the work that you do and why we're here today. Exactly. Happy to be. Um, Yes. Thank you so much. So everybody go check out Danielle Simpson Baker. What does RMFTI stand for? Uh, Registered Marriage and Family Therapy Intern. So thank you. Yeah, of course. I'm in the state of Florida. Before you get your full license, you have to be uh, provisionally licensed, which means you're a registered intern for a certain amount of time until you get your actual Mm -hmm. license. Mm-hmm. And then you have your MA. I have my master's in marriage and family therapy. Okay. Yeah. Wonderful. Okay. So everyone look her up at the sex pot therapist. That's such a good name on Instagram. <laughs> <Thank you. laughs> so good. Uh, if you're enjoying the show, please uh, toss me a little high five digitally, uh, which means a good rating or review on Spotify or Apple podcasts or anywhere you listen where that is possible. Cause we want more people to find this show. Yes. And yeah, so we can be helpful. So we will be right back. Did you know that Monistat and Vagisil can make your vagina so much more unhealthy and actually make it burn? So instead, I recommend Momotaro Apothecas, salves and oils. Check out their products. I even use it to prevent razor burn because I shave pretty often down there. Use code STRIPPERWRITER. Hey, that's me for a discount because I love talking to small business owners that are creating better products for our bodies. Welcome back to They Talk Sex podcast. I'm your host, Elle Stanger. This is the sexology and therapy episode. Our guest is Danielle Simpson Baker, M-A-R-M-F-T-I are the fancy letters behind her name so far. Stay tuned for more in the future. Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's the plan. Yeah. Okay. So let's do some listener questions. Mm-hmm. All right. So listener question one, how do I reconnect sexually? After my partner and I have experienced some emotional turmoil or argument, and then they say, I am safe from physical harm, to clarify. Okay. Um, So emotional turmoil and any kind of argument, anything that kind of will like cause a rift, I think one of the first things to do is make sure that you're both in a place where you can come back together and talk about things rationally or even just be in the same room without it being an issue. So I would first suggest taking some space for yourselves, make it known that that's what y'all are gonna do. So it can be as simple as like, hey, I'm not in the space where I can have this conversation in a rational way with you, or I'm not in a space where I can say things um, without being emotionally charged. So I'm gonna take a, a minute, I'm gonna take some space from you. And then I think also maybe agreeing on a time to come back together Mm -hmm. and kind of process would be helpful. So that way it's not like you're just leaving each other hanging. It's like, okay, I need some space right now so I can cool down, 
give me like an hour or give me a day and we'll come back and talk about it. Mm -hmm. So after you get past that point of, you know, needing to calm down and come back to like a baseline, emotionally regulated state, from there, I would try to work on doing things together that increase safety in the relationship. So whether that's like having just like a check-in of like, okay, what happened? Where did we go wrong? Blah, blah, blah. What can I do better? What do you need from me? Um, and then, or even just, you know, trying to do things that don't need to lead to sex. Because I feel like if you have like a big argument or some kind of emotional turmoil and you're just trying to go right back into being sexual, like those things are still kind of fresh on your mind. Mm -hmm. And then you're, you're going to be just like closed off, like not just physically, but emotionally as well. So Mm -hmm. I think taking the time to cool down, um, taking the time to come back together and talk about things in a rational, not as emotionally charged way, and then focus on doing things that increase safety in the relationship that aren't necessarily sexual. Mm -hmm. So it can be just like spending time together on the couch. It can be going for a walk together, holding Mm -hmm. hands. If you feel like you're ready to do that, Mm -hmm. it could even be just like cuddling without it having to lead to sex. Mm -hmm. But yeah, definitely ask yourselves, what do I need to feel safe in the relationship now? And if you want to ask it of each other, like, how can I do more of these things for you? Or what do you need from me to mm-hmm. feel safe so we can get back to where we were? Mm, I like all that advice. And I'm, th- mm-hmm. I was, as you were talking, I was thinking of how I do those things and I apply that stuff. Um, yeah. I really like also the nugget about, like, I will state, like, I'm feeling really activated or frustrated Mm -hmm. or, you know, irritated and I'm Mm going to go, you know, to the pumpkin patch with my kid and I'll talk to you in a few hours or (laughs) (laughs) right. Because then it's like, yeah, I don't want to do the passive aggressive thing where Mm -hmm. I'm intentionally trying to stress out my partner as a method of control where they're like, Oh, when will I hear from them? Yeah, exactly. Right. Right. Um, You don't want to have anything like dangling over each other's heads because I mean, that's not fair either. Right. Yeah, I will. A lot of times my go-to for reconnecting in a way that could be sexual if it organically goes that way or not, but a way that Mm -hmm. feels safe is the things you named where it's like, can we just cuddle on the couch together? Can we go for a walk? Um, Or I will, I will say, can we just touch bodies? (laughs) Can we just lay here touch bodies? (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. It doesn't always have to lead to, um, you know, like the deed or whatever. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it can, it can just be kind of like a low key, like, let's just be together. Like, let's just like mm-hmm. be in each other's presence and you know, mm-hmm. feel comfortable again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So listener question two, what can I do to help a partner with their own shame regarding their sexual performance? Uh, and mm-hmm. I asked this person to elaborate This person says that their partner worries about staying aroused or hard, penis hard, Mm -hmm. about achieving orgasm. I hate that phrase, achieving. About having orgasm themselves and with their partner and also how they look while having sex. Mm -hmm. Um, And this is great that the partner has this awareness. So they said, my partner has anxiety about these things and says it makes them unable to be fully present during sex. So I, honestly, I feel like this one could be like a whole episode oh, of yeah. itself. Yeah, this is big. Right? No, 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 that's totally fine. Um, I feel like, so the first question, what can I do to help my partner with their own shame? So what you can do as this person's partner is number one, like 
try and have a conversation about them, which it sounds about the anxiety, which it sounds like these partners have already done, um, which is great. And then maybe ask your partner like what they need from you or what you can do for them to make them help them feel a little bit more comfortable, especially during sex. Um, but if you try to have that conversation, I mean, sometimes the partner doesn't know because this, this tends to be a very ingrained thing, like sexual, sh- sexual shame in general. Mm-hmm. So they might not even know like what the answer is to that question. It's still good to ask, but especially if they're not sure, um, maybe just try and go out of your way to let them know, like, you look good to me. Like, I love the way you make me feel. Um, tell them about how they make you feel. Tell them about how good they look when they're doing X, Y, Z. I love the way you um, do this for me. I love how you look when I'm doing this for you. Mm-hmm. Blah, blah, blah. Like, just... You smell so good to me. Affirmations. Your hair is exactly, so soft. Exactly, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I would kind of go a little heavier on the positive affirmations, not even necessarily during sex, but like outside of sex as well. Like it's, it's totally fine to talk about sex when you're not having it, um, because that also kind of like primes your partner to remember like, OK, my partner loves how I do this for them or my partner loves how I look when I do this. My partner loves how I sound when they do X, Y, Z and just kind of help them normalize the experience for themselves by letting them know that you're satisfied with whatever so they don't have to feel that anxiety because of Mm -hmm. you and so hopefully that takes a little bit of pressure off of them in that sense Mm -hmm. but on the other hand it's not just about like what you're gonna do for your partner with their own shame because they kind of have to look into that themselves like where is that shame coming from and when we feel shame about something it's because we feel sorry for being a certain something so when you feel guilt you're sorry for something you did when you feel shame you're sorry for something you are Mm. and I feel like in this sense when it comes to sexual shame like especially about like staying hard or being able to um, have an orgasm themselves or being able to help their partner have an orgasm or how they look we have to start asking like okay where did all these messages come from like who told me that I'm supposed to stay hard during sex or that that's all there is two sex. Mm. Who told me that I'm supposed to have an orgasm every single time? Mm. Who told me that I'm supposed to be the one that quote unquote gives my partner an orgasm? Who told me that I'm supposed to look a certain way while I'm having Mm. sex? And I feel like nine times out of 10, when we start asking those questions, we do kind of get to the culprit, which at the end of the day is society. Mm. And that goes back to what we were talking about before, like just challenging those messages that society gives us and like how society even got to sending us those messages and of course that kind of goes back to like capitalism etc like we live we do live in a society that like profits off of us hating ourselves Mm -hmm. so even just to go against that might be able to help your partner break through Mm -hmm. um you know Mm -hmm. those that level of Mm -hmm. shame but it definitely number one is not going to be an overnight thing um i would definitely encourage your partner to maybe talk to a sex therapist about these things where you can really unpack like where you're getting these messages from do these messages really apply to you at the end of the day like who you are as a person like how are these messages really serving Mm -hmm. you and then try and like you know go from there but I love that this person's partner is wanting to like help them do that work with them because it helps to have someone supportive in that sense Mm -hmm. oh yeah totally yeah yeah that was something that really blew me away about the question is that they were able to name what it is that 
Yeah. And so what you said about society and messaging, like as you were asking these questions, like who told me I have to, you know, do all mm-hmm. these things again, thinking, relating, I'm like, okay, <laughs> porn, porn, mm-hmm. which is entertainment. Exactly. And por- right. That's one. Um, I'm thinking about comedians mm-hmm. of both. I'm going to say both genders because I, I haven't seen a trans. I haven't seen a trans comedian. Usually I'll refer to all the genders, but I it's the cis genders that are like, and that includes women that it are does. like, he didn't make you come mm-hmm. kick him to the curb. Mm-hmm. It's like, hold on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We have <laughs> right, to stop with right. that. And I, you know, I, we gotta stop. I, I feel like uh, I will say, I think men do, or see at least cis men get it kind of hard when it comes to this topic, because we do kind of socialize people to believe that cis men in particular are supposed to be just like horny all the time are supposed to be the mm-hmm. ones that like have this like magic dick that just does everything um, that mm-hmm. they're supposed to get hard at a moment's notice they're supposed to be able to have an orgasm every single time and it's just not like that for everybody mm-hmm. and i i mm-hmm. couldn't imagine what it's like to have that kind of like conditioning growing up and then when you get to a certain age and it's just not like that for you every single time like I can only imagine the kind of anxiety mm-hmm. that may come with that mm-hmm. so I'm I might I I I hope I don't cite this improperly and mm-hmm. maybe you know maybe you don't but I remember and it was Dr. Roz from Institute for Sexuality who was talking about the prevalence of anxiety and also also erectile issues for male population where she said that about 30 percent of the male population will experience erectile issues at some point in their life, mm-hmm. I think, mm-hmm. um, which is a huge, massive chunk. Yeah. Or I'm going to go back and check this. Or it could be that 30% of the male population is experiencing erectile issues at any one time. Mm-hmm. That actually sounds more accurate to me. Um I'm going to clarify that. I'll look that up uh, later on and have to revisit that in an episode. But that's something to investigate because that the point is, anyway, that's a big segment of the population. Yeah. And I I remember like obviously going over that um, in one of the classes. I also remember her mentioning that uh, it's not like restricted to a certain age either. Like you don't mm-hmm. necessarily have to be like you know over fifty. 50. Or whatever. Yeah, like people yeah, in their twenty-year-old. Exactly, right. yeah. exactly. Right. And imagine that anxiety, like trying to be like mm-hmm. some you know bachelor and in, in his prime, trying to like you know spread your seed everywhere, but you can't because of <laughs> X, Y, and Z. So mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So we need some more uh, forgiveness for ourselves, and then also yeah, addressing the messaging. Mm-hmm. Great, great. Okay. So, and then also, um, you know, keep listening to this podcast because we have a lot of knowledgeable guests um, (laughs) that can help you stay more present, uh, practice being more present during sex. Yeah. Oh, and just going back to that point, because I don't think I addressed that um, with being more present during sex. So yes, work on all the things that we mentioned already. But um, as far as being more present during sex, something that you can do um, if you want to look up sensate focus. The idea of sensate focus is to kind of just continuously check in with your body during sex, especially Um, if you find your mind wandering, that's when you want to check back in with what's feeling good. So bring your focus back to the sensation that you're feeling. Um, If you want to focus on how you're feeling in your body, you want to do that. If you want to focus on how your partner feels touching you, 
focus on that. If you notice that you did something that your partner really liked, bring your focus back to that. But whenever you find yourself wandering um, in your mind during sex, no matter what the topic is, you just want to bring your focus back to sensation and focus on what's feeling good in the moment. And it's kind of like a meditation. Um, like, like, you know, when you're meditating and you find yourself like thinking about other things, you just bring yourself back to your breath or you bring yourself back to like whatever your mantra is. It's kind of the same um, idea, just you're bringing yourself back to focusing on what feels good. So mm-hmm. yeah, as far as staying mm-hmm. fully present, look up Sensate Focus and you can try to start working that into your sexual routine and see if that helps mm-hmm. for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm a big, uh, I'm a big fan of if I if I'm in love with someone yeah. or having sex with them in a way that I, you know, is recreational and enjoyful. I don't think that's a word. If I'm enjoying <laughs> it, I, I probably really like the way they smell. Mm. So I might just like breathe them in and be like, oh, or feel like the hairs on their arms, yeah. or, you know? Yeah. And then one thing I love advising because I think a lot of people just forget they can do this. Like, turn the lights off if you're worried about how you look (laughs) that is that's a good yeah simple concise yeah very good yeah exactly yeah 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 because I I have times where and again I'm a performer sometimes but I don't want to perform like in my personal relationships but Mm -hmm. I am a voyeur and sometimes maybe my partner's an exhibitionist so I have mirrors all over the bedroom I love that because I love yeah, um, I've said before, one of my favorite sex toys is a mirror because it's like, oh, I, I can that. see you going in me or yes. whatever. But sometimes I don't want to be seen. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. the lights are going out and the shades are getting closed. <laughs> and you know what? I like that, that that kind of goes back to what we were talking about with like the like just checking in with your body, because if you don't have the distraction of the light being on and like trying to worry about how you look or like trying to make sure you're looking in the right direction or whatever, all you have mm-hmm. to focus on is just like the feelings and the smells and like the sensations. So yeah, I love that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then, Oh, last thing before we move on, um, a, a colored light bulb will do wonders. Yes. I think. Agreed. Agreed. <laughs> right. And red lighting, mm-hmm. as I know from the strip clubs that covers a lot of things you might be shy about, mm-hmm. like fits or scars or ingrown hairs. Yep. <laughs> so pop in a colored bulb if you can. Good call. Mm-hmm. Okay, so listener question three. Uh, oh, I'm having so much fun talking to you, but we'll have to keep these next to a uh, couple minutes. No problem. Each. Awesome. Um, I know sometimes I wish I did 90 minute episodes. <laughs> uh, okay, listener question three. I need help mourning the loss of a friend or family. And I need help with how it relates to sex. So it sounds like they're experiencing some grief and it's disruptive to their sex life. Mm -hmm. I just want to tell listeners, if you haven't already, there is the grief and sexuality episode with Megan Devine in the first season Mm -hmm. of this show. I do cry a little bit in it um, because I lost my beloved partner of four and a half years to suicide a year and a half ago. I remember that. Uh, But that episode might be, thank you. That might be a very helpful episode. But uh, here and now, what do you think, Danielle? So, yeah, that one is tough because grief is really complex because it affects everyone differently. Everyone has their own grieving process. um, And it's just not always going to be, it's certainly not going to be a linear, like, path of healing Mm. when it comes to grief. It's very back and forth. It's up and down. 
Um, you might think that you've gotten a handle on a certain trigger and then you just have a day where, you know, you were wrong about that. So the first thing I would say is definitely like be patient with yourself when it comes to this. Like this is not going to be, again, like it's not going to be an overnight uh, solution when it comes to grieving. So you really want to be patient with yourself. Um, if you're able to not have sex for a certain amount of time to give yourself that space to kind of work on things, then maybe you can try and postpone for a little bit. But if you, if that's not an option for you, then of course I completely understand that. Um, Mm -hmm. I would say maybe try and pay attention to like the specific ways that this grief shows up for you when it comes to sex. Um, Like what are your triggers, especially during sex? Like, is it the way someone touches you? Is it the way someone smells? Is it like a certain setting that you're in that might be triggering for you? I'm just trying to take note of those things and how you might be able to either adjust those things to work a little bit better for you um, or maybe even avoid them for a little bit while you're kind of working on your own grieving process. Um, But also pay Mm -hmm. attention to like what specific thoughts come up for you. What are the feelings and actions that follow those thoughts? And I think raising awareness of those and allowing yourself to like kind of prepare for how to deal with them could be helpful. But I would also say um, if a therapist is accessible to you, try and do some of this work with a therapist because it's hard to like deal with your own feelings of loss on top of trying to deal with like, like coping with those feelings. Like sometimes it's hard to like have feelings and then like rationalize how you have to deal with them. Like, especially when it comes Mm -hmm. to grief, like you kind of just want to like feel whatever and like not have all these parameters around them. Mm -hmm. So I would definitely Mm -hmm. consult with a therapist um, with this kind of thing. I would definitely, again, be patient with yourself. But yeah, you want to try and raise awareness of like what your triggers are when it comes to um, your grieving process and how that's affecting them, how it's affecting you during sex. And I'm really sorry that, that this person is dealing with that because I know that that's, it's not an easy thing to deal with and it's not necessarily Mm -hmm. an easy thing to cope with either Mm -hmm. yeah i just want to say one thing before we move on um because that is such a big big question actually wait let me shut my door because the wind is blowing it open Mm -hmm. sorry one second (laughs) and the wind blew it shut (laughs) um (laughs) thank you ghost brian (laughs) Uh, oh hey um So the first month after my person died, and again, everybody is different. Mm -hmm. You might want to feel pleasure and just, you know, space out or do something different. Like the day after someone dies, or it might take you a year. But for me, it was a month. Mm -hmm. I was like, I don't want to touch anyone for a month. And then all of a sudden I was like, okay, I want to fuck now Mm -hmm. because I want to feel good. And then when I, even when I was masturbating, which was very interesting, Mm -hmm. um, whether I was fantasizing or recalling the sex that we had had, which was really pleasurable and soothing, or whether I was having separate fantasies or just focusing on what I was feeling, I, I started to immediately feel guilt for feeling good. I'm like, how can I feel good when he's dead? And it's like, I had immediately acknowledged it and I was like, stop, <laughs> you deserve to feel good. Mm-hmm. Just enjoy, enjoy, feel free to enjoy, but you can also stop if you want to stop. Right. And hopefully if you're, you know, if you're having a partnered pleasure or sex or play, hopefully you have a person where they will be understanding where you're like, okay, I need to stop for a minute mm-hmm. or an hour or a week or whatever. Right. Um, right. 
love that you brought that up. Yeah, that's because that that is definitely something that you might have to deal with at some point, like a little bit of guilt for any Mm -hmm. semblance of trying to move on or have a little bit of normalcy. And and just like you said, like, I mean, like, how can I when they're gone? But Mm -hmm. I I love that you were able to kind of like honor that for yourself, but also like remind yourself, okay, I do deserve to have these good feelings in spite of what Mm -hmm. happened. And if you happen to be someone who feels that you don't deserve good things, then again, that's, that's work with your therapist. Um, But I'll say something that's helpful to me is pleasure helps us survive. Exactly. Yeah. And it is our birthright. So, yeah. Okay. So listener question four, can you give me some tips on how to communicate about something I desire, but maybe taboo? Yeah. So the first thing I would say for that is, have a kitchen conversation about whatever it is first instead of a bedroom conversation. So don't like try and introduce the topic during sex. So like when you're already in the midst of having sex with your partner, you're like, hey, let's try this. Like, especially if you don't know how they're going to react to it first, I would definitely say bring it up before you get to the bedroom. Um, and talking about it outside of the context of the bedroom, it kind of allows you to talk about it from like, a, I guess, a quote unquote rational standpoint so it's not like in the moment it's not already a sexually charged thing it allows you to have the time to like you know uh, explain whatever your desire is like why you're wanting to try it and then it allows you to kind of gauge your reaction or gauge the reaction from your partner um, and how they might feel about it then you can go from there but I would also say your goal should be to just explain why you are wanting to experience this new thing the goal shouldn't be to persuade your partner. So if they say no, mm. the answer is no. Like, yes, you want to just plead your case. Like, yes, this is I'm interested in this. This is why I'm interested in it. I think it could be great for us. And that's all fine and good. But if they say no, then it shouldn't be like, oh, well, why not? Or let's just try it. Let's just see how it goes. Like, if they say no, the, the conversation has to be done there. Now, what you can do if they say no, um, maybe try and come up with things that you all would be willing to do together. Um, and in place of the thing that you wanted to do and they already said no to try and come up with some things that they will say yes to so that there's kind of a compromise but yeah I would bring it up outside of the bedroom yes plead your case but realize if they say no then that's kind of it you gotta move on Mm -hmm. and hopefully you can explore ways to fantasize or enjoy you know that kink or that taboo Mm -hmm. in porn or written erotica or maybe a reddit board (laughs) (laughs) r.i.p tumblr uh r.i.p tumblr (laughs) fucking fosta i know all of my all of my booby and my nudity pics got flagged after fosta sesta um yeah and then so and also if your partner hopefully they don't but if your partner doesn't want you engaging around your kink in a solo way then it might be time to push back and say like well I have ownership of my own Mm -hmm. body and pleasure Mm -hmm. and I would like the freedom to explore this by myself because again you said pleasure is our birthright exactly Mm yeah all right cool great advice all around we're gonna take another quick break yeah everybody go to at the sex pot therapist on Instagram there's two t's in there yes uh, yes. Okay, good. And look up our guest, Danielle Simpson Baker, and we will be right back. Hey, 
Hey Elle, where did you train to be a sex educator? I went to instituteforsexuality.com. If you do not need to be ASECT certified, you can take their shorter program. It's new. It's called Sweet Sexual Wellness Education and Enlightenment Training. It's about half the price of their regular program, and you can do it at your own pace because it's all on demand. You can take it online. You can take one learning path at a time to make it more manageable financially. Go to instituteforsexuality.com and click on On Demand Programs. You can check out their other classes, too. Welcome back to They Talk Sex Podcast. This is the sexology and therapy episode. Uh, send me not hate mail, please, to <laughs> lstanger at protonmail.com. Oh, my goodness. Um, I'm glad you don't experience too much. I got a couple. I got one yesterday where someone called me a childless parent hating heathen. And I was like, the fuck? The fuck? Yeah. I was like, uh, like do you follow me I or ha- not? The hell? Yeah. I was like, I have a child. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, but what was interesting is they were like, oh, your, your dead ex, you know, is ashamed of you and you should do to yourself what he did. And then they referenced my threesome porn that I I made with this person. And, uh, and I was like, LOL, you found my threesome porn, but not my parenting article. Yeah. (laughs) I see what you're looking for. Yes. Yeah. No, it. It was, yeah, it was fine. And then the next day on Instagram, I posted a picture of me being like 41 weeks pregnant. So it's like, <laughs> um, anyway, yeah, people are wild on the internet. Yeah, trolls. I was doodling a little troll actually while you were talking earlier. Um, <laughs> catharsis. Uh, so yeah, folks, find Danielle Simpson Baker at the Sex Pot Therapist on Instagram. She is in Florida. We're going to talk a little bit more about, yeah, your personal life, and then we'll talk more about uh, therapy and relationship stuff, sex stuff. Um, so earlier I mentioned that I'm curious about what it's like doing the work you do in Florida. Did you grow up over there? No, I'm from New Jersey. Oh, okay. Yeah. Which New Jersey still seems to have a heavy amount of sexual stigma yeah, I mean, floating around. Yeah, I feel like New Jersey is like still relatively repressed. It's, I mean... Yeah, but I, so I grew up in New Jersey. I went to boarding school in Connecticut. So I kind of left Jersey around like 12, 13 and I was gone until I was like 18. Then I went Mm. to New York for college and then I moved down here. So it's like, I grew up, yeah, like I grew up there, but like not really. So like, I don't, I don't think certain things affected me there. Like I didn't come of age in New Jersey. I came of age in like boarding school kind of. So. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I just, um, yeah. So earlier I was talking about, so the cops and society in general seem to be definitely more hateful at sex workers yeah. and clients, right. than I experienced here in the bubble of Portland, Oregon. And to clarify for folks, Oregon is not progressive as a state. It is Portland, the city, mm-hmm. um, yeah, because you go anywhere else and it's a very racist state with a racist history mm-hmm. that is very rural and very isolated. And that is quite apparent when you travel pretty much anywhere besides Portland, parts of Eugene, Salem, and, and then, you know, some of the coastal cities are beautiful, but they're still pretty essentially either very conservative or they're libertarian. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the bubble of Portland you know, we're sex positive and then Seattle has some sex positive queer positivity. 
But Florida really, I mean, some of my sex worker friends have been arrested doing sex work in Florida and just have horrible nightmare stories about how they were treated by the cops and then other people. So I just, I feel like you might be navigating more shit over there, but you're an East Coaster, so it's the water you know. Right. Right. But honestly, so I'm going to be very honest about like my experience with sex work. And this is a huge reason I don't talk about it very much because I feel like I'm also kind of, I've, I've also kind of been in a bubble when it comes to sex work. Um, I didn't get into it for any other reason aside from the fact that I just wanted to. It was never something that I like felt forced into. I, I've never like had to deal with a lot of the ugly side of it. Um, and I'm very mm-hmm. fortunate for that. But that's the reason I don't talk about it, because I don't want people to look at me and think like, oh, well, anyone can do that. Like, it's going to be all like fine Mm -hmm. if I decide to get into sex work because she had this experience and it was fine. Like, I don't I think Mm -hmm. if people are going to look at anybody to like, quote unquote, learn about sex work, it shouldn't be someone who's had my experience because I've had a very like privileged experience when it comes to sex work. I've never had to, like, I've always been able to screen my clients. I've had the privilege to say no to certain clients. I've never had to give my money to anybody. I've always had the privilege of like doing my work under a roof or in a safe place. So, Mm -hmm. and with that, I've never been arrested. I've never come into contact with any police officers. I've never gotten any kind of like harassment or anything because of, being a sex worker so that's Mm -hmm. why like I don't I I still don't really feel like I should talk about my experience because again like it's not the typical experience it it really is Mm. so I'm glad to hear that you had more freedom and control to navigate that and that's the same for me too Mm -hmm. like if I was having sex with someone for money I was able to pre-approve them and be like are they hygienic enough do I feel safe enough yeah I never worked for an agency yep right um yeah we didn't experience force fear fraud coercion like a boyfriend or a parent yeah telling us where to go or what to do um right okay so I think yeah with that framing it's such a nice reminder and I appreciate you clarifying that um yeah it is so great to show the spectrum of experiences because no one person is a monolith exactly Definitely. Okay, good. Well, you know, we're always happy for non-horror stories on the yeah. show. <laughs> right. And I I have a guest on who her episode, have, as of this, by the time folks are hearing this, her episode has come out just before yours. And she had a dramatically different, mm. terrible two years being trafficked. Um, right. And so, yeah, it's just the range is really important. So yeah. I'm, I appreciate you pointing that out. Of course. Yeah. So let's move back to talking about relationships. Yeah. So I saw this come up in my suggested articles. There's so much fluff in the media that I glance at and then ignore. But yeah. <laughs> I thought, yeah, I thought a couple of these might actually be helpful. So it was on today.com. I'm a couples therapist. These are five things I always do in my relationship. Uh, I don't know that we will get to all five. Uh, So it was published October 14th, 2022 by Leah Neela Kandon. I hope I said her last name right. Um, Okay. So the couples therapist mentioned is Sinead Smith out of Alameda, California. 
Uh, she and her husband have been together of 22 years. They have two sons who are in college. Smith is a certified Gottman Institute therapist. Smith spoke to today about relationship habits she and her husband practice to maintain their marriage. Okay, so turning toward, the concept of turning toward, concept of turning toward means that one person, when one person extends a, quote, bid for connection, for example, asking how the other person's day was, Mm -hmm. the other person turns toward by replying and engaging with their day rather than turning away and shutting down the conversation. So this could look like if your partner comes home and starts talking to you, put your phone down and right. look at them. Right. <laughs> oh, and that's what it says in the next paragraph. Uh, <laughs> she says, huh, she says with COVID fatigue or burnout, we disengaged a bit from each other. I would start to disengage by escaping into my screen and not doing a lot of noticing if he was trying to make a bid for connection. Mm-hmm. So one of the things she said that we really have made a point to do is try to re-engage, like putting the phones down and really trying to do more of that turning towards. What do you think about that? I love that idea actually. Um, and I, as you were talking, I was just thinking about like in my past relationship, like the times that I probably noticed my partner doing that, but because I was wrapped up in X, Y, Z, I did not turn toward him and I did not like acknowledge that bid for connection. Um, so I can, yeah, I would think that that would be a good way to like kind of push yourself out of your own comfort zone, but also kind of like have you acknowledge the fact that you're so wrapped up in certain things that like you actually have to make the effort to turn toward and maybe kind of like force you to question like okay like what do I have going on and like how important is it really that I can't like engage in my relationship right now even if it's just Mm -hmm. for like two minutes to talk about our day really quick so yeah I love that Mm -hmm. concept definitely Mm -hmm. yeah I definitely will speak my truth where I'm like hey baby I'm really glad you're home and I really want to hug and sit on you and cuddle you but like I absolutely have to finish typing this paragraph before I forget what I'm saying yeah I like that too like because it's transparency and you're not just shutting it down but you're like I hear you like I want to engage with you too but give me a second Mm -hmm. Um, and then also for children you know like we can really disrupt healthy attachment building in our children if they're like look at this or can we do this Mm -hmm. and it's like uh Mm -hmm. hold on or no Mm -hmm. or can you go do this with someone else instead like um cptsd whisperer on instagram Hmm. are you familiar with any of her stuff no i haven't heard of her but i will look that up yeah she does a lot of yeah um complex trauma uh, TikToks, videos. She's a parent. Uh, I think her pronouns are she. It might be they. I don't remember this person's name. Look up the account. Anyway, it's been uh, really helpful for me to like easily visualize examples of healthy or unhealthy attachment. Mm-hmm. CPTSD whisperer. Um, but they just made a video where you can tell like their kids were obviously in on it to co-collaborate, but it shows them like laying on the couch because they feel low energy or depressed and mm-hmm. the kids are like can we go for a walk and they're like no or let me show you this thing and they're they're like on their phone and they're like uh-huh mm-hmm. you know right so we do that sometimes to our kids too yeah yeah, yeah we want to not yeah it. yeah so okay so the couple's therapist who shares the five things she does in her relationship so we can only see two of them in this article because the rest of it is a video Feel free to go find that uh, based on the title and description I mentioned earlier. Do a little web search. 
Uh, the second thing we'll mention before we move to close this episode is small acts of kindness. It says it may seem obvious, but small acts of kindness can go a long way. Even just making a cup of coffee for your partner when you know they'll be up early can mean a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely think that can add a lot to a relationship. Like, like it says, it may seem obvious, but I feel like those obvious things are the things that kind of like slip by the wayside, especially when you've been in a relationship for so long. It, it kind of goes back to that idea of like, you know, should we constantly be trying to date our partner or like constantly trying to court our partner? Because once you get kind of settled in, you kind of forget about doing the things that you did to win your partner over. And it's kind of like, you're just comfortable with each other. So you forget to do those small little things that might make a huge difference in your partner's day. So I'm all Mm -hmm. for the small acts of kindness, just like reminding your partner that you're there for them, that you see them, that you want to help them and that you want to be there for them. I think that can go a long way. And that can probably really like strengthen the foundation of relationships as well, even if you have been in the relationship for a while. So yeah, I like Mm -hmm. that. I live two hours away from my current boyfriend and he's not a verbal affirmations person mm-hmm. and I am mm-hmm. so, but he is, yeah, he is a small axe or large axe person. So even like if I come home and he left, you know, the last time we saw each other was like right before I went to work and he went to drive home. If I come home and I see that he did my dishes or made the bed, even if he didn't make it as nicely as I would have. Right. <laughs> I'm a perfectionist control freak person. Uh-huh. But like my heart just grows. I'm like, oh of my course. God, baby, you know? Yeah. It's considerate. Right. It is. Yeah. Or um, one last example that's coming to mind, which I had totally forgotten about. Um, I had a really crappy car uh, some years ago. Uh, Right now I have a moderately decent car, but uh, I had a really crappy car (laughs) that didn't have automatic locks when I was about 19, 20. Mm -hmm. And um, I would either always unlock their door, like the passenger door for them first, Mm -hmm. or they would do it for me if they knew I was going to not be driving. But we'd always unlock the other door for each other manually first. That's nice. Yeah. It's the little things. They really do count. <laughs> they really add up. Uh, okay. So, oh, I forgot to put this on the outline. So if you can't think of any, totally fine. But I'd like to ask if uh, you have any other resources or recommendations for people who have been helpful for your learning or books or podcasts or anything you can think of. People who have been helpful for me. Um, I would say... Dr. Lex Brown, um, I believe she goes on Instagram as the couples clinician, or I can't think of her handle off the top of my head, but she's another, um, she's an ASEC certified sex therapist, mm. amazing woman. Um, I, I got the pleasure of meeting her for, um, I was volunteering for ASEC annual conference in 2019, and she was like mm. the volunteer coordinator. So I got to work very closely with her and she was just awesome learned a lot from her um so yeah Ooh, i see it yeah oh perfect perfect uh, instagram handle is lex with two x's mm-hmm. sex doc yes so l-e-x-x-s-e-x-d-o-c yep the couple's clinician and sex doc cool. yes um so yeah dr mm-hmm. lex and then also jet setting jasmine um because she is also mm. a sex worker and a licensed therapist and i actually really cool she happened to like teach a 
Like she was just like a guest lecturer in one of my classes during my, um, when I was getting my master's and I knew who she was cause I followed her on Instagram and I couldn't believe that I was like seeing her on zoom <laughs> in my Ooh. class. So um, yeah, she's really cool as well. She's worn many hats in the world of adult entertainment. Um, and also, like I said, she's a licensed uh, therapist as well. So I've learned a lot. Wow. From her. Yeah. I've followed her and her husband. Yeah. Yeah. King Noir. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I've followed them for a couple years now. Yep. And uh, I had no idea that she was a therapist. Yes. Yes. Damn. So cool. People are so busy. Right. Exactly. Yeah. All I'm hats. looking at a video <laughs> of her. So their her website is jsjlinks.com. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. All right. Great. Great, great. Okay, so lastly, I ask every guest this. Besides all the wonderful ones that you already gave, do you, Danielle, have any sex tips for our audience? Hmm. Don't be afraid to ask for what you want when it comes to sex. Like, don't be afraid to ask for what you want in bed. And don't be afraid to, you know, make some adjustments with your sexual partners if they're not delivering what you want. Like, there are people out there that will do what you want. So, don't be afraid to ask for it and don't be afraid to say, hey, well, you're not delivering. I think we might need to have another conversation. And also don't have sex with people who won't go down on you. And that goes for any parts that you might have. Because <laughs> I'm sick of it. I stopped doing it myself and life is a lot better. So Dating people that won't go down on you? Yeah. Yeah. I can't do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not subtle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I, I love my pussy and yeah. I, I want, I need other people to love my exactly, pussy too. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and then on top of that, like I, like I love giving head and I'm really good at it. So I deserve <laughs> to have the, the favor return. Damn it. I'm Reciprocity. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. What was the, uh, I think you used a banana or no, 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 no. You were like, you started out with a video where you're like, I have some tips, but you like basically waited a few seconds because you're like, I don't want this to get reported. Do oh, yeah. I said, <laughs> I said, don't report me. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I was supposed to do a follow yeah, up great. to that video, and I never did it. It's still on the list. Well, <laughs> yeah, it's you know I have a long Google Doc to do list as well. Same. I totally get it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Same. Uh, okay. Well, thank you so much for taking some time to be here with me. I'm so glad we got to work together. Me too. Thank you for having to... me. Yeah, I'd love to work with you on stuff in the future. Yes. Everybody, go check out at the Sex Pot Therapist on Instagram. Um, thank you, Danielle Simpson Baker, for being here. And yeah, like I said, folks, please rate or review the show so that more people can find us. And also I have behind the scenes content on patreon.com forward slash strange bedfellows. All right. I'll see you on the internet and hopefully in person someday. Awesome. Thank you, everyone.